Thank you for having me. I was a student here 10 years ago, and it's good to be back. And I'm really excited about this morning. Um, I have been a pastor for the last 10 years, and I recently started working at Harvest House Atlantic. Uh, we help people move forward. There's about five Harvest Houses in Atlantic Canada, all modeled after the one in Moncton. This is the 20th year of Harvest House, and uh, it's exciting to be part of that ministry. But there is a lot of brokenness. You know, every day there are people. Um, I remember Dr. Andrew McRae once said, you know, every day there are people who will vomit in your lap. And, and we do get that. But, but, you know, pain is real. Pain is real. Hope is also real. And we want to offer hope to people who are coming in there, to the children, the elderly, whoever comes through the doors. Um, Harvest House is a, like a university campus. We have a bit of everything. We have 41 apartments, $350 a month. We have a carpentry shop. We have a new women's recovery that's opening up soon. We have a men's recovery. We have a clothing room. There are many aspects to Harvest House Atlantic. And if you'd like to find out more, look us up online. And our founder is Kel Maskery. And he has a brand new book that his daughter wrote. And if you'd like a copy, uh, there are some out on the table, and if you'd like to give a donation for the book, uh, every $10 uh, sends five books to the prisons. Uh, we also sent, uh, distribute books to 125 prisons across Canada. So it's uh, many aspects to uh, this ministry. And we're here, Paul and I, to raise support for Harvest House Atlantic. We're doing 15 concerts in the next 10 days. This is the second concert. Um, ch slash chapel, uh, and uh, Paul has been all over the world in 50 countries, he has 15 albums, he's sold hundreds of thousands of albums as well, and he does have a heart for music, but he has a heart more so for people, and you can tell with your interaction with him, and I'm excited that he's here in Atlanta, Canada, so, and he was with the Newsboys for a, a number of years as well, a very gifted musician, and um, let's give them a welcome. <laughs> Harry, would you just come down here for a second? Yes. <laughs> yes, brother. Um, I heard a rumor. You did? <laughs>
stand there and receive love. You know, it's kind of a, it's a good thing. All right. So I just thought, maybe I should have thought more. But I just thought we should sing Happy Birthday to Harry.
tell you what's amazing grace, than having me to speak to you. Uh, <laughs> Australian, wow. Yeah. So Jarvis and I go to the prison, and I've got to tell you, it's the time I feel the most comfortable coming from Australia. <laughs> Same material. Uh, and if God's speaking through Australians, it probably is the end times. Because <laughs> we are criminals. <laughs> I used to be a school teacher, and uh, I'm setting my watch. I know what happens when the bell goes. <laughs> People just forget. So a couple of disclaimers. My name is Paul. Well, that's not a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> my name is Paul. I was born in England in the 60s. 67, which means I'm 50. Just turned 50. <laughs> How's that working for you, Paul? Yeah, the mornings are, um... <laughs> so here's a guy. I was born in England, grew up in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia, and now I've been living in Nashville, Tennessee for 15 years. Which is awesome, I'll tell you. And, uh, it's awesome. Nice to meet all y'all. All y'all. All y'all. Uh, I write songs for a living, but I'd much rather talk. So this is like awesome. Get to talk. But I will say this. I am not an academic theologian. Uh, I have quite a few friends that are academic theologians and I ask them, you know, does theology mean that you have to academically study it? And I know there's been lots of opinions on that. Um, but I just kept asking until I got the opinion I wanted. I just want to know if... Um, is the lady with the stick, is that for me or is she? Yeah. I just wasn't sure if that was... Because last time I was in Canada, they, they had someone with a stick and they, they used it on me. I carve them in you. You do? Beautiful. We found out on most of it. It was on the South Shore. Just needed a little bit enough. South Shore of Canada? Yeah, South Shore of Canada. <laughs> no, 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 that's where I came from. I washed up on the South Shore. You washed up on the South Shore. You washed up on the shore. All right. I like this crowd. Yeah. So I asked this, um, one of the theologians that I spoke to, he said, well, theology is the study of God and... Um, you know, you can do that academically or without academics. So I've unfortunately not done it academically, but if I was ever going to study again, it would be to study theology. I'm a little bit envious of what you guys study and, and teach. So the thoughts I'm going to share for you two in the next 22 minutes uh, come from someone who's just travelled and observed uh, and I wouldn't say they represent a book I've read or a church building I've visited, they're just thoughts that have occurred to me. And occasionally I get asked to speak, um, but this is what I wanted to talk about today. And I pulled the Bible from over there because I was trying to figure out what translation you guys were on with here. What's this one? Original Greek and Hebrew. 
uh, Maccabees. New Revised Standard. Someone's quite from Maccabees. And I, know that. I didn't know what Maccabees is, I thought it was a restaurant. <laughs> years and years. 
Um, and I was thinking, my question I asked myself was, how did Jesus know what to say? How did he know what to say to these people? It, it seems, if you actually read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that he always said it different. He never seemed to repeat himself the way, the way we do. He, he, it was just like this separate download for each person. He only said to Nicodemus, be born again. What religious people do is we get that phrase, and now that's the one-size-fits-all t-shirt. And Jesus was like the wind. He was unpredictable. And then I thought to myself, how come we're so predictable? We are really predictable. Trust me, I've sung in all 50 states of America, 50 other countries in faith communities. I know exactly what they're going to do if I drop a castle. I know exactly what they're going to do if I open up a beer or light a cigarette. And yet these are people, half of them are eating like trolls. So gluttony's fine. And we're, it's, gossip's kind of okay. Not caring for the poor is okay. Being irreconcilable with your parents is okay. But don't you dare have a glass of wine. And I think to myself, you know, I don't even drink alcohol anymore. I don't cuss anymore. I don't smoke anymore. My point's not that. My point is that we're very predictable. And predictable... Unpredictable doesn't mean disrespectful. It's always through the fruits of the Spirit. But Jesus was so unpredictable. And I think the first key of it is that his identity was not in question. He knew who he was. So when he walked into a room, he was not like me in most of my life. Most of my life, I've been seeking the approval of people. Most of my life, I have sought the approval of others. And I have travelled the whole world to try to find out who I am. And I didn't ask the only person that can actually answer the question. He was the last person I asked. God, who am I? Oh, Paul, finally. Thanks for asking. <laughs> You're my kid. And I love you. And you don't need to travel the world anymore asking who you are. I just got goosies when I said that. <laughs> but I did. I travelled the whole world looking for approval. And you can never satisfy it. Because only God can tell you who you are. And as I look out at the audiences and the people I talk to, I see so many people like me that their daily life is not really based on who God says they are. It's based on who they say or their family or their country or their enemies or their friends. So the first thing about Jesus was that when he was led by the Spirit, he could hear the Spirit because the voices of shame that we obey, the voices of guilt and bitterness and unforgiveness, codependence and fear and control... These voices, which, you know, they were my friends. Anxiety, depression. Um, when you're listening to God's voice and your identity is with Him, you hear the voice of the Spirit. And so, I imagine, you know, when Jesus walked into town, the story of Zacchaeus, um, and the Spirit said to him, that one, up in the tree over there. And his disciples were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can, that's what we would have done I'm not him oh my gosh <laughs> this is not going to go well where is the PR person in our group <laughs> we don't even know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus but we know that an encounter with Jesus at Nazareth changed his life um, Jesus sometimes was asked and a lot of times he answered with a question almost a little bit smart aleck sometimes it would seem when when the, when the Pharisees said, tell us, you know, um, hey, what authority do you do these things? It's like, well, first you tell me this. 
when John came, did he do things from God or from man? I said, well, hang on, I'll get back to you. And they had a little chat. Did he say God? Did he say man? We don't know, but I'm not telling you either. <laughs> That's what he said. That's evangelical suicide. You ask a question, you answer it, and give a full altar call, whatever. But Jesus was led by the Spirit. And uh, when everyone was saying, no, you've got to come in on a white horse and kick the Romans, he's like, no, 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 i got to, I got to do something else. So my question was, well, why, why are we so not like that? And the only conclusion is, well, we're really not led that much by the Spirit. We're led by religion. What's the bottom line? So if you are led by this thing we call evangelism, which is not a word I think Jesus would use because it has an ism, which is a human construct, Communism, Taoism, capitalism, evangelism. When you take something and make an ism out of it, you make it a very linear thing, I think. Whereas if you're listening to the Spirit, He can tell you anything. He can tell you not to speak. Whereas if you're led by the idea of evangelism, you're sitting on an airplane and you're like, okay, this person next to me, well, of course I should share the gospel with them. And the Holy Spirit might be saying, dude, not your person. That is not for you. Shut up. Go to sleep. <laughs> okay, that would be if the Holy Spirit was Australian. <laughs> but he's, he's humble enough to speak to us as we need it. Shut up, mate. <laughs> but is it possible for the Holy Spirit to say, don't say something? Okay. But we might think, well, that's the devil, because of course I would want to speak to him, because the Bible says... I remember... Um, being in Auckland a few years ago, and uh, I went outside for some fresh air, and there was these two guys on the other side of the corridor, and it was raining, so I was sort of standing under the, and they said, come over here, so I sat with them, and they were uh, drinking Chardonnay, and they said, would you like a glass, and I said, no, of course not, I'm a Christian. No, I said, sure, that'd be great. <laughs> and so I had a glass of Chardonnay, and, uh, and during the conversation I realised these guys were as gay as anyone comes. They were like a valley of rainbows, they were so gay. No laughter, okay, cool. Um, and, uh, and so I started saying, alright, Holy Spirit, what have, you, what have you got for me here? What's my job here? Why have I ended up out here? And uh, we talked for a while, and they both, I said, tell, tell me a story. I like to hear people's stories, I want to hear and like Paul walking around Athens, I'm like, I need some time to just suss this out. You know, like I need a bit of breathing time to have a look around. What's, what's God doing in this moment? Holy Spirit, what do you have for me here? Why have you brought me out here to these guys? And uh, I said to them, you know, so tell me about you guys. You're obviously together. Yeah, we're together. We were happily married. Um, and they said, what are, you, what are you doing in Auckland? And I said, well, I said, uh, I, I'm a singer. And they said, you know, what kind of music? And I said, well, good music. <laughs> I said, I used to be bad, but now I'm good. What, where do you sing? And I said, well, that, that's where it gets tricky. I said, I, I don't want to put any barrier up between us, but I, I sing a lot of the time in church buildings. And they're like, oh, we're Christians too. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, tell me about that. Oh, we were both married, but we realized we were gay, and now we love each other, and we love Jesus too. And I said, Holy Spirit, what have you got? What, what do you got for me here? What, what do you got? And all I heard was, maybe I heard it wrong, all I heard was give them a CD and give them the greatest hug they've ever had in their life. Amen. So I went back to my room. I got a CD. I wrote, I 
Boys, comma, love God, love each other, Pauly Pops. And uh, I gave him this hug. Harry, let me show you the kind of hug. <laughs> Judge. 
and you're speaking to him. I said, thirdly, and on a more comical nature, I said, you talk about him more than I do. <laughs> and they gave me a dub award for it, you know? And I said, maybe it's the start of your prayer language, you just need an attitude, he says. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, I've never said that to anyone ever since. Ever. <laughs> but why am I going to be offended? If I'm offended, the sin of offense, I can't hear what God's trying to say through it. And I just think, you know, in this day and age, I've been studying at the news in Canada a bit, and uh, four minutes. In conclusion, <laughs> uh, I've been through six years of therapy. Uh, my wife divorced me because I was such a... There was no foul play with us. It's just that I was so broken, I couldn't love her well. And I thought things were getting better, and I thought we could fix it, and she didn't. That's the truth. And, uh, and it forced me to start to face the issues. And, and, I, and I realized that the voice of shame, of accusation, has been the voice I've listened to most of my life. It's let me create a false identity. And it's only been the last six years, seven years, that I've really started to begin to accept who God says I am. And so I want you to know, I don't need your approval. You know, for someone that's spent their whole life seeking approval, it's like walking out of jail. I don't need you to like me. I'd like you to. But I don't need you to. Because I know that whether this is awesome or not, God approves of who I am. My identity is in Him. And so I just said to Him, Lord, that the second half of my life, maybe it's not quite a half, but really what I want to be is someone that hears your voice, hears the voice of your Holy Spirit and just loves people, loves you and loves others. And, and if it's a rebuke, it's a rebuke. And if it's not, it's not. But whatever it is, I want to hear your voice. But the first thing has to be the identity. Otherwise, you're hearing all the wrong voices. And I... Trust me, some of you are older than me, but I still think I got you. I still think I'm probably more messed up person in this room than anyone. Um, I really gave it a good go. Alienated just about everyone I knew. Normally if I see someone from, from more than six years ago, I start with, listen, I'm really sorry. I do, because I'm, usually I have to, you know, it's like the 12 steps of alcoholism, making amends. Um... But I think as followers of Jesus, if we begin to, um, if firstly we really are honest with ourselves about our identity, uh, and we share with others and those in, who are in authority over us, hey listen, you know, I, I hear the voice of shame more than the voice of the Lord. I hear the voice of criticism and comparison more than I hear Jesus' voice. I hear the voice of guilt. Um, I want to hear God's voice. I want to know that I'm His. And then, this wonderful, creative, crazy life of listening to the voice of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, like surely he had to be behind the rhino. I mean, look at that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the anarchy. He's like the, the Spirit, you know. I mean, look around you and you're like, oh yeah, Holy Spirit. <laughs> that person. Lots of Holy Spirit there. Just be crazy. Jarvis and I like traveling each other because we're both a little crazy. 
So that's what I get from that. Um, the wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus said, Aren't you a teacher of Israel and you don't know about these things? Sometimes I think that's the case. Um, but if you live this way, religious people will kick you out because they don't like it. They want things predictable and they want to be able to control people. And control is merely how we manage fear. You just learned that because this morning that cost me about $2,000 to figure that out. Therapy. <laughs> so remember that one and just know you only have Tim Hortons. Alright, so you want me to pray, Harry? That'd be great. Alright. Let's just try something different. Let's have our eyes open. Just something different. And just have your eyes open. Jesus, I think it's amazing that you let me stand here and talk about this stuff. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh, man. But, you know, my commitment to you, Lord, is that you would use my life and my brokenness to encourage other people. And I, I ask that somehow someone here might have heard something from you. That would be unbelievable. That would be a miracle. Because you know me. I'm just me. Thank you for all these wonderful people. Thank you for what they're doing, for who they are. Let them know this morning that they're your kids. The way they view their kids is how you view them. That's just such a profound truth that a lot of us need reminding of, that when everyone here got up this morning with their breath like death and their hair like a man's <laughs> breakfast, even if they had terrible thoughts, your love for them didn't change from when we came here and sang these songs. Your love doesn't change for us. But we forget that. We're dumb sheep. We forget that you just love us the way we are and that our identity is in who you say we are. It will never be as we should be, but you love us anyway. Pray for Canada. What a great place. Let there be a revival here. Let us understand that the way to fight this battle is not necessarily by objecting to a current sense of morality, but instead by laying our lives down for people and serving them. It's the way the Christians changed the Roman Empire. Just by caring for the poor, caring for the mistrodden, caring for the for those like the work of Harvest House, Lord, which is so inspiring. Amen. Last thing, 20 seconds. Harvest House is incredible. Um, just loving people on the street. It's changed my life. And that's what Jarvis and I are doing is travelling around. So, um, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, keep going, actually, but at the end, I have a song request. Uh, oh, really? Um, yeah. Well, so there's, birth, there's birth a story behind this. Okay. So, um, yeah, so, so we have four, four children. And uh, through every uh, uh, labour, um, my wife has listened to music. And for each kid... Um, a, song, a certain song presents itself, huh. and she ends up repeating through it several times, and it's come to symbolize uh, each individual child. So our second child, Isabel, was the song was The One Thing huh. by you. So if there is time, uh, it depends on our boss. Only because it's Harry's birthday. It fits with what you're saying, too.
Chips, a liar. <laughs>